This is Margaret Prescott, host of Sojourner Truth. Thank you for staying with us. There is much confusion and purposeful misinformation spread about Haiti. And here on Sojourner Truth, we try to do our part to counter that misinformation and to expose the COINTELPRO operations going on against the movement on the ground in Haiti. Sadly, those who perpetuate this misinformation, it's not only the usual suspects, government and mainstream media, but also among progressive media and even some left movements in the United States and other parts of the world outside of Haiti. Today's broadcast will be a rare opportunity to hear from two members of Lavalas Executive Committee. Lavalas is headed by Haitian former President Jean-Bertrand Aristide. He was Haiti's first democratically elected president and was deposed in a 2004 U.S.-backed coup. There was a bit of an information breakthrough with the New York Times expose that some of you may have read that ran the weekend of May 21st, 2022, where it pretty much spells out why the Western powers, starting with the U.S., France, and Canada, considered President Aristide a threat. And of course, that extends to Lavalas, his political party. It seems that from both the right and the left, Lavalas is under attack, but this is not new. Similar attacks were part of the lead up to the 2004 coup against President Aristide. But what you will hear today will not be about those attacks or who is behind them and who enables them. That will be another show. Rather, you will hear from two Haitian campaigners for democracy describe the present situation on the ground about their efforts to bring diverse political parties and civil society together to craft a way forward for Haiti, crafted by Haitians, as well as some of the dangers they have faced personally. We bring you sound of the April 30th, 2022 event entitled Haitian Voices of Resistance Today. The event also marked the 30th anniversary of the Bay Area-based Haiti Action Committee that was co-founded by human rights campaigner Pierre Bossier. We live in a global world. We're all interrelated. So on Sojourner Truth, we work to bring directly to you news and views on local, national, and international policies and stories that affect us all. And we draw out how those of us most impacted, women, communities of color, and other communities, are responding. We also discuss the interrelationship between art and politics. Now for our news headlines. For Pacifica Radio, I'm Christina Onestead. Russia's President Vladimir Putin is drafting reservists in Russia in a major military buildup in the war in Ukraine. He made the announcement on the backdrop of a military setback last week when Ukraine reclaimed the Kharkiv region. His comments were translated by Al Jazeera. We are talking of a partial mobilization only. Only people in the military reserve will be drafted. The priority will be on people who served in the armed forces, have military specialization and experience. Experience. Those drafted before being sent to the places of service will have mandatory additional training, relying on experience gained during the special military operation. Putin also warned the West he isn't bluffing over using all the means at his disposal to protect Russia's territory in what appeared to be a veiled reference to Russia's nuclear capability.
The war in Ukraine is taking center stage at the United Nations, where world leaders are gathering. France's President Emmanuel Macron slammed Russia's war. His comments were translated by Al Jazeera. As I am speaking to you now, there are Russian troops in Ukraine. But as far as I know, there are no Ukrainian troops in Russia. That's a fact. And we all have to recognize that. The longer this war goes on for, the more it threatens peace in Europe and the entire world. It leads to a wider, permanent conflict where the sovereignty and security of everyone will only depend on power. What we have been witnessing since February 24th is a return to imperialism and colonialism. U.S. President Joe Biden and Ukraine's President Volodymyr Zelensky are set to speak today. U.N. Secretary General Antonio Guterres also placed a focus on climate change. Eileen Alfandari has more. United Nations Secretary General Antonio Guterres urged rich nations to tax the windfall profits of the fossil fuel industry to help victims of the climate crisis in poorer nations. The fossil fuel industry is feasting on hundreds of billions of dollars in subsidies and windfall profits while households' budgets shrink and our planet burns. It's high time to put fossil fuel producers, investors, and enablers on notice. Polluters must pay. And today I'm calling on all developed economies to tax the windfall profits of fossil fuel companies. Oil companies in July reported unprecedented profits of billions of dollars per month. ExxonMobil posted three-month profits of nearly $18 billion. Chevron, nearly $12 billion. Shell, $11.5 billion. I'm Eileen Alfandari, KPFA Pacifica Radio. Venezuelan migrants flown to Martha's Vineyard sued Florida Republican Governor Ron DeSantis and his transportation secretary Tuesday for engaging in what their lawsuit calls a fraudulent and discriminatory scheme to relocate them. The lawsuit filed in federal court in Boston alleges they were told they were going to Boston or Washington, which was completely false, and were induced with perks such as $10 McDonald's gift certificates. The executive director of Lawyers for Civil Rights said no human being should be used as a political pawn. Mary Sherman has more. You should come visit. We have a beautiful shoreline. President Joe Biden was asked about Florida Governor Ron DeSantis' threat to fly migrants to his home state of Delaware. The White House says it is working with local officials to prepare for the potential flight, which comes a week after DeSantis flew 48 migrants from Texas to Martha's Vineyard. House Democratic Caucus Chair Hakeem Jeffries slammed DeSantis and the Republican governors of Texas and Arizona, who have transported more than 10,000 migrants to Democratic cities. They should start behaving like governors and stop behaving like human traffickers. They are putting politics over people in the most egregious way possible. DeSantis, however, argued sanctuary cities should have to bear the brunt of what he called the Biden administration's open border policies. Those migrants were being treated horribly by Biden. They were hungry, homeless. They had no no opportunity at all. The state of Florida, it was volunteer, offered transport to sanctuary jurisdictions. I'm Mary Sherman for Pacifica Network and Public News Service. Hurricane Fiona has strengthened into a Category 4 storm after lashing the Turks and Caicos Islands and devastating Puerto Rico. It's forecast to squeeze past Bermuda later this week. The storm is directly blamed for at least four deaths in the Caribbean and widespread power outages in Puerto Rico that have left people without running water. A representative of Puerto Rico's governor spoke with Senate Democrats Tuesday at the nation's capital and said it's time Puerto Rico's second-class status ends. The difference in treatment in health care, the lack of funding for Medicaid, Medicare, 
the fact that Puerto Rico does not receive the SSI. We don't participate in SNAP. As it's at this time that show that the, our most vulnerable population is treated as second-class citizens, and this needs to end. Our citizens deserve the same support and the same quality of life as, as their brothers and sisters in the mainland. Parts of Puerto Rico have received more than two feet of rain. President Joe Biden is urging support for a Senate bill that would shine the light on so-called dark money in federal elections. The Disclose Act would require organizations involved in campaign spending to disclose their donors. It would require super PACs and other campaign groups to report the source of any contribution totaling $10,000 or more. Protests have erupted across Iran after a 22-year-old woman died while being held by the morality police for violating the country's Islamic dress code. Videos of protests show women in the streets of Iran burning their headscarves. I'm Christina Onestead reporting for Pacifica Radio. Those were our news headlines and we now go to Haitian Voices of Resistance today. You will be hearing from Dr. Maris Narcis. She is a Haitian public health doctor. She's a founding member and director of the grassroots political organization in Haiti, Fanmi Lavalas. She was also the presidential candidate for Lavalas, the last presidential election that many refer to as a selection by the United States. There were so many discrepancies in that election, and many know that. Dr. Narcisse really should have been rightfully the elected president of Haiti. You will also hear from Edward Pacha Vor. He's also a founding member of Family Lavalas and its co-director. They are both based in Haiti. And you will hear from members of the Haiti Action Committee based in the United States, including Haitian Pierre Leboisier. And you will hear from civil rights attorney and chair of the board of the Haiti Emergency Relief Fund. I was also honored to be part of the event and play a small part there. Now I'd like to introduce Margaret Prescott. Margaret is a leading member of Global Women's Strike and women of color in the Global Women's Strike. She is also the host and executive producer of Sojourner Truth for KPFK in Los Angeles. And she has been a central force in the Haiti Solidarity Movement for years, a true comrade and leader in that struggle. Margaret has been to Haiti numerous times, including during the last presidential election campaign when Margaret hit the campaign trail with Dr. Narcisse and also investigated the horrific massacre at La Saline. Margaret brought back stories that the mainstream media would not cover and continue not to cover today. Margaret is also going to be relaying a message from Representative Maxine Waters, who unfortunately could not be here today, but wanted to send greetings to the program. Thank you so much, Robert, and greetings to everyone. And because my listeners in other cities, those listeners of Sojourner Truth, will absolutely have my head if I don't mention Sojourner Truth is indeed a national broadcast. We're in New York, D.C., and about 35 cities across 
of the nation and internationally on SoundCloud. I'll just start to give a brief remarks from Congresswoman Maxine Waters. Please know I'm not part of her staff, but I have worked with the Congresswoman on matters related to Haiti for several years. Congresswoman Waters has long been and continues to be a friend of Haiti. She has met with today's presenters, Dr. Maris Narcisse and Pasha Vobre, both members of the Lavalas Executive Committee. She also met with the surviving victims of the brutal November 2018 massacre that took place in La Saline in Haiti's capital city. Congresswoman Waters helped to distribute resources to the victims. She participated in several human rights delegations to Haiti, including meeting to express her concerns with the U.S. ambassador to Haiti and other personnel at the U.S. embassy in Haiti. I should also quickly mention just a few weeks ago, during a trip to the Caribbean region, Congresswoman Waters was in Barbados, my home country, and the Congresswoman met with the Prime Minister of Barbados, Mia Motley, as well as the Barbados Ambassador for CARICOM. As the movement for democracy is never far from the Congresswoman's mind, it should come as no surprise then that she discussed Haiti with them. And since then, CARICOM seriously considering some of their positions. You might also recall that following the coup against President Jean-Baptiste Aristide in 2004, it was Congresswoman Waters who at great risk traveled to the Central African Republic to ensure that President Aristide and his family got safely out of that country. Many of us had feared for the safety of President Aristide and his family. As a member of Congress, she is a singular voice that is trusted by the masses of people of Haiti. When they hear a member of Congress issuing any statements on Haiti, they always ask, well, what does Congresswoman Waters think? Is she involved? This is the reality of the impact of the years of her principal support for the people of Haiti. So today, Congresswoman Waters sends her special greetings to Dr. Narcisse and to Pasha, as he is fondly known by the movement, and for the success of this event and for their continued work on behalf of the best interests of the people of Haiti. Just on a personal note, I know that whenever there's a crisis in Haiti that the Congresswoman needs to hear about, I can, any time of day or night, contact her staff member who works on Haiti and the Congresswoman will respond. She will do whatever she can, whether as she did recently, helping Haitian refugees that were wrongfully held in U.S. immigration or to assist in fundraising the hospital built on the campus of the University of the Aristide Foundation and so much more. But finally today, my other hat, on behalf of the Global Women's Strike Women of Color and the Global Women's Strike and Payday Men's Network, I must bring congratulations and greetings to today's distinguished speakers as well. Congratulate the Haiti Action Committee for their 30 years of principled solidarity work on Haiti. I would be negligent not to mention that Selma James, the widow of CLR James, thank her for her consistent encouragement and support as she reminds all in our women's network that our practical and ongoing support for Haiti must be a priority. I also want to lift up the late Andaye of Guyana, 
who worked closely with me to gather support for the movement for democracy in Haiti in the Caribbean region. And given that Andai is now a beloved ancestor, we are continuing that work as best we can. I also must quickly mention the stellar work of Pierre Labossier, who remains for our Women's Network, our point of reference in Haiti. I know I can call Pierre anytime, day or night, and he is ready to listen and do what he can. And we're also aware that Pierre's work would not be possible without the other co-founder of Haiti Action, Robert Roth. Also, all of the longtime and new members of Haiti Action have been proud to be part of delegations to Haiti with Pierre, with Robert, as well as Seth Donnelly, Walter Riley, Leslie Mullen. So congratulations to all of you. Finally, Maris, I recall fondly being on the campaign trail with you when you were the Lavalas presidential candidate and witnessed the great love of the people for Lavalas and the people who called you Mama, it was so moving. Maris, how much you mean to the women of Haiti, women who are so central to the movement for democracy there and whose caregiving work sustains families, communities, and the movement. And Pasha, your clarity, your dedication, and ability to express what the movement is, to be a voice for that movement and what it represents is invaluable at your great risk. We take seriously that none of us can be truly free if Haiti is not free. Thank you. Next, I want to bring on Pierre Lebossier. For many of us here, Pierre is the reason that we're engaged with Haiti Solidarity work. He's the heart and soul of that work and has been for decades. A co-founder of Haiti Action Committee, a board member and co-founder of Haiti Emergency Relief Fund, and one of the most dedicated organizers that I have ever met Thank you very much, Robert. Uh, boy, I tell you, I would, yes, I would have said, no, 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 don't say anything like that. <laughs> but um, I, I'm really elated today, elated that 30 years ago, uh, during this year, in March of 1992, President Aristides visited Oakland and Berkeley, the Bay Area, and that we were committed to stand in solidarity with the people of Haiti. But this visit, really touch on, touch us very deeply. And so a core solidified, and that was the beginning of the Haiti Action Committee, where we did, we did a lot of demonstrations, lots of activities to support. And this is an engagement we've been in, we've been in for the past 30 years and looking forward to continuing much beyond that. So saying that, I wanted to say thank you to each and everyone locally in the Bay Area, Oakland, Berkeley, San Francisco, the entire Bay Area, the South Bay, uh, San Jose and Palo Alto and everywhere. I don't want to leave out anybody. But um, also we have many friends and supporters nationally and internationally. And I want to really thank each and everyone this brings to mind the passing of a great and dear friend of Haiti, great supporter of Haiti, who was also very much affiliated with Haiti Action Committee and Haiti Emergency Relief Fund. And also um, he, he was a continued member of Haiti Sanctuary Committee of the, that's the committee with the East Bay Sanctuary Covenant. And he's the former assemblyman, assembly member from the state of Louisiana, Theodore Marchand, known to us as Ted. Ted passed away three days ago, and we are going to dearly, dearly miss him. 
principled man and very committed. And there's a wonderful picture of him and, and Dr. Maris Narcisse during a, a visit in the Bay Area in 2017. Dr. Narcisse is a physician and public health specialist, and he graduated in 1982 from Haiti State University School of Medicine. And it convinced her that public health is an essential tool to improving sanitary conditions in Haiti. She specialized in community health at Bichat University in Paris. And later she graduated from Tulane University School of Public Health in 1991. She has continued her studies in public health at SUNY, S-U-N-Y, at Albany, New York. Dr. Narcisse is a member of the Board of Administration of UNIFA. She's a dedicated activist for the rights of the most impoverished, national coordinator of Formula Valas Executive Committee, and was the candidate of Formula Valas in the last presidential election. She's a mother. She has one daughter, Annick. Dr. Narcisse strongly believes that we must struggle against all forms of discrimination, be they based on gender, class, color, education level, and we must pass on to our children. Whenever you say Pasha, everybody in Haiti knows Pasha Vob. <laughs> and Pasha is a phenomenal man. He's a great, great, great cook. He graduated, he has a degree in hotel management and culinary arts, which he studied in Paris. And Pasha also did his primary school in Haiti, secondary and primary school there. Then he went to abroad in France to study. And Pasha returned to Haiti very engaged in the struggle. Pasha has two children and his wife, Angel. Two assassins came in. He was fighting one of them, but he wasn't aware there was another one there and they shot and the Pasha received the bullets that actually paralyzed him. But you can't stop that spirit of a powerful man. He is with the executive committee of Formula Valas. So without further ado, let me pass on the mic to Pasha and Dr. Narcisse and Marise and uh, our beloved brother and sister team, executive committee members of Formula Valas. It's an honor for me to be part of this webinar discussing the crisis situation in Haiti. We would like to take this opportunity to congratulate the Haiti Action Committee as it marks its 30th anniversary. After the 1991 coup d'etat, the March 1992 visit of President Aristide to the Bay Area boosted Haiti Action Committee resolve and galvanized greater participation in its activities. Haiti Action Committee has continued to stand on the side of justice and participatory democracy in Haiti. On behalf of the Haiti grassroots movement, on behalf of Formula Valas, on behalf of the people of Haiti. Okay, before we start on the crisis, Marie's already spoke on behalf of both of us, so I will just say thank you all for this uh, beautiful presentation and for having us. And we wanted to do just a small presentation of Formula Valas. Formula Valas is a grassroots political organization whose mission is to work with the poorest, marginalized people and their quest for a better life, dignity, justice and freedom. Formula Valas is fighting for a real and deep change in Haitian society. Since its inception, it has always advocated for democracy in Haiti, access to education, health, food, 
housing and economic opportunities for all. It is the Haitian people's attachment to an ideal of freedom and dignity, an ideal embedded in its historical journey that the Lavalas movement crystallizes and, and one that it continues to assert in the current context. Very often, people ask me, how is it that Lavalas represents the largest political party in Haiti? We could resume it in five points. Kami Lavalas is trusted for many reasons. Its resolute orientation to real and deep change in the standard of living of the poorest, the excluded, who constitute the overwhelming majority of the population. And last, Famila Valas National Representative of Dr. Jean-Bertrand Aristide, who does not compromise on principles or walk away from a steadfast commitment to the poorest. Haiti is not only a dysfunctional state, it is also under siege by heavily armed gangs. And security, kidnapping, gang violence are rampant, making the daily life of Haitians filled with stress and fear. Haiti is under siege by heavily armed gangs since the electoral coup d'etat that put the PHTK legal bandits in power. Haiti has been experiencing progressively worse condition, repression, corruption, kidnappings, and federations of gangs. Gangs are involved in spreading terror, murders, kidnappings, burning houses, rapes of women and young girls, and impoverished neighborhoods. People already with very little means have been forced to flee their homes to escape violence. Heavily harmed gangs have orchestrated massacres, attacks the impoverished neighborhoods of Port-au-Prince, La Saline, Bel Air, Cité Soleil, Carrefour Thousands of people have been victim to this terror. Haitian government officials were implicated in the November 2018 massacre of La Saline, one of the worst attacks. This violence was committed in an attempt to stop anti-corruption protests. All of these crimes have been carried out with impunity. As a result of gang warfare, the country is blocked. Access to all region cut off. That is the situation of the gateway area to the southern departments. The municipality of Martissant has been a no-go zone area for almost one year. And as of last week, the same is true of the eastern and northern regions of the country. Because of the recent situation of war between rival gangs at the northern exit of the capital, the Office for Civil Protection reports that more than 20 people have been killed, including a family of eight. Three young women and three children between thousands of families fleeing their neighborhood to live on the streets with their children. The government nor the police made any official statement. Last June, the UN estimated 19,000 persons in Martissant alone were displaced. Approximately 100 gangs 
are operating in the metropolitan area of Port-au-Prince. Gangs control much of Port-au-Prince. The ports and the roads connecting to the rest of the country, aircraft departing from Port-au-Prince to the USA now make a stopover in Santo Domingo to refuel because the specific aircraft fuel is stored in an area controlled by the gangs and cannot be distributed to the airport. Gangs are now proliferating into other urban centers because of the intensifying poverty. New young recruits are easy to come by. Gangs in Haiti have strong ties to political and economic elite. They maintain connections within the police and the criminal justice system, which explains why they operate with impunity. People in power use armed gangs to block popular protests against the government and against massive corruption at all levels in the society. Repression, gang violence. Gang violence is a tool used to silence free speech and demands for access to education, healthcare, housing, food, and jobs. No official response from the government allowing the criminals to continue to act with near complete immunity. This is anarchy. Police repression, likewise, police repression is used to block and discourage all future protests. Corruption and ties with gangs are widespread among police officers. Beatings, abusive use of tear gas, police involved in kidnappings, police working with gangs, the payment of police officers added to prolong delays and payments up to five months, making it easy for the gang to recruit police. Kidnappings is a side gig for many police officers. Despite the insecurity, sit-ins, and protests are held to denounce the ever-rising cost of living, insecurity, corruption, hunger. However, the police make an abusive use of tear gas to disperse these protests. Last February, thousands of textile employees were demonstrating in the streets of the capital to demand the increase of minimum salary. A deadly use of tear gas and shootings by the police left one journalist dead and 13 people injured. Massive corruption is widespread at all levels of the society. Government, business sectors, Haiti's police and justice system, given the existing impunity. To deal with all has been said, a weak judicial system which cannot ensure accountability for any criminal. 80% of people in prison are in preventive illegal detention. Cost of living has increased due to political instability. Gang restricted access to and from Port-au-Prince to the rest of the country. Recent increase of the price of fuel on the national market and consequently the cost of transportation. The inflation rate stands at 25.2% as of January 2022. In addition, Haiti is vulnerable to devastating natural disasters. A tropical storm 
hit the same affected area. This global situation, political instability, insecurity, economic catastrophe, has impacted agricultural harvest, food availability, making food prices too high for the most vulnerable household. For the period of March to June 2022, the percentage of people in situation of food insecurity is 45%. This is Margaret Prescott, host of Sojourner Truth. We're going to take a short station break. When we return, you will hear more about the current crisis on the ground in Haiti from Dr. Maris Narcisse and Pacha, as he is fondly known in Haiti, from the executive committee of Lavalas. Stay with us. We'll be right back. This is Margaret Prescott, host of Sojourner Truth. Check us out on our website at sotrueradio.org. If you're a member of Facebook, you could look for us and like us there. And our handle on Instagram and Twitter at sotrueradio. We're also nationwide and worldwide on SoundCloud. Just look for Sojourner Truth with Margaret Prescott. And today we would like to give a shout out to our SoundCloud listeners in Little Haiti, in Florida, in Miami, Florida. And internationally, we would like to give a shout out to our SoundCloud listeners throughout the Caribbean region. We now return to hear more from Haitian Voices of Resistance, where you will hear from members of the Executive Committee of Lavalas, the most popular political party in Haiti. Specifically, you'll be hearing from Dr. Maris Narcisse and Pasha Vorb. They will answer questions posed by the audience who attended the event Haiti Voices of Resistance today. That event took place on April 30th of 2022. 4.5 million people are in urgent need of assistance. If we were searching for strategies to address Haiti global crisis, we would be addressing the insecurity uh, uh, being the top of the agenda. It is everyday insecurity that most Haitians see as their top concern. Haitians uh, uh, want a more stable and secure environment. The number one priority is to address the great insecurity of the Haitian people. Insecurity caused by the gangs and the breakdown of the justice system and the end section engaged by 4.5 million people virtually hungry and starving. As said previously, the percentage uh, of people and food insecurity from March to June 2022 is 4.5 million. 13% of the population are classified as being in situation of emergency, IPC phase four, and 3.180 million people, which is 32%, and in crisis, IPC phase three. 
the 4.5 million people represent 45% and need of urgent assistance. In addition, four areas are classified as emergency, IPC phase, phase four. In particular, the coastal part of the Southern Department, the lower Northwest of the high plateau in the central area, as well as the poor and very poor neighborhoods of Cité Soleil. The solution to the problem of insecurity does not require outside military intervention. After so many foreign intervention in Haiti without results, Haitian people have voiced their justified distrust of outside military intervention. They have not forgotten the cholera epidemics introduced by foreign troops, the rapes, the children left without a father. And today we can acknowledge the quantity of guns and ammunition being left in the hands of gangs all over the country. Strengthening of police. The interconnection among gang elites and the police helps explain why gangs continue to terrorize the population with almost complete impunity. Steps must be taken to strengthen the Haitian security forces, capacity to fight rising gangs, crimes, and improve citizen security, as well as intensify efforts to reinforce the justice system. However, providing technical expertise, training, equipment and materials or other resources to the police force without simultaneously reinforcing the justice system to punish police misconduct, abusive will not lead to desired result and effective police force. Inner Asian dialogue. There is no entity in Haiti that has any real official legitimacy, not the Ariel Henry administration, nor the various political parties and civil society organization. So there is a basis for all of them to humble themselves and work together on urgent matter, such as the problem of insecurity, hunger, even while they engage in a dialogue about longer term matters such rebuilding the institution, reviving the constitutional order, a stable transitional government to organize free, fair, and democratic elections. In 2018, Famila Valas issued the following statement in total agreement with the demands of the people. Famila Valas made the decision to have discussions with all sectors because we believe that it is through an exchange of ideas with all the political organization and those within civil society that we will find a common agreement on how to address the problems of Haiti. Members of the executive committee of Formula Valas have for the past few months been engaged in discussions with other organizations and representatives of civil society to reach agreement on how to put these changes in place. Just like the broader population, Famila Valas believes that the real solution to the crisis can only come through 
changing the system. That is real deep changes in the society, meaning a complete break with the old system, which brings only poverty, hunger, corruption, gangsterism. No hostility organized election is possible in this moment. The people are not about to a band-aid solution. Marise? Yes, <laughs> we're going to try to go <laughs> because we're almost over time, but uh, what I will continue uh, what you started to, to say. Since 2008, Formula Valas has proposed a stable transitional government that works to provide a needed services to the people, improve living condition, facilitate the return home of the daughter and son of Haiti, and uh, regain our dignity as a sovereign people. This new political leadership has no choice but to act transparently within the law. Other tasks, uh, that's why since November 2008, Familia Valas has proposed to form a, a government that we call a salut, a salut public government uh, with Haitian, uh, authentic Haitian, known for being serious, honest, and competent to ensure a transition from the present government of exclusion and exploitation uh, to another one of inclusion and transparency. Without a stable transitional government, issued or a form a political agreement, it is unlikely that attempt to fight the sources of violence and violence and insecurity, to end impunity, to reinforce the rule of law will succeed. Other tasks of the salut public government will be organizing a national conference, rebuilding the, justice, the judicial system, prosecuting anyone accused of serious crime, such as massacres and financial crime, and bringing to justice to the people who are the victims. This will send a powerful signal that nobody is untouchable. The transitional government must show commitment to ending impunity and stopping violence. Pasha? It's all about education, education, and education. After thinking, talking about the country, it's important to understand that to move forward with a vision, Famila Valas, uh, uh, with his founder, President Aristide, when he came back from exile, said that education and education would be the priority. Today, UNIFA, the university founded by President Aristide, has a place to offer Haiti's youth not only an opportunity to hire for higher education, but a place where they can come together and train to become Haiti's future leaders. Since his reopening in September 2011, and under the exceptional leadership of his founder and president, Dr. Aristide, 4,043 students across nine different disciplines, medicine, nursing, engineering, physical therapy, 
dentistry, law, engineering and architecture, economy and management, agronomy and continuing education. From 2018 to today, 939 graduated in those different disciplines. Marise? It's not, uh, it is not hard. After three years, UNIFA is now finishing construction of its teaching hospital. The, the hospital encompasses over 54,000 square feet and will be able to accommodate 205 patient beds once completed. It will provide vital healthcare services to the community while it offers clinical training to UNIFA students. One of the most effective strategies in combating the healthcare crisis in Haiti is investing in medical education. This is the only way to ensure an increase in the dangerously low number of healthcare professionals available to meet the need of the population. Pasha? From education, 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 we need to go through also the decolonization of the consciousness. It is necessary to succeed in the struggle we are wagging for the development of our country. This mental decolonization involves several aspects. It includes the decolonization of political structures, legal and administrative system, mental attitudes, lifestyle. We must question the models and habits inherited from the colonial system. This must be done through education, hence the need to invest in people. The choice to invest in people implies respect for human rights, the modernization of our institution and democratic governance. Alice, I will let you conclude. Yes, yes. we could have spent the whole day discussing of uh, strategies to address the situation in Haiti. But we went anyway uh, through some of them. I think uh, what I, to conclude, we have to, what we would like to say, this is Asian people continue, continue their, stead, their steadfast fight for democratic governance and true self-determination. Let me remind you that after the 2015-2016 fraudulent stolen election, over a period of three months, the people of Haiti organized 60 peaceful demonstrations and marches to protest what they called an electoral coup d'etat, demanding that their vote be counted and respected, that they have to, the right to freely choose representative through fair election, and that Haiti be free from interference from the international community. Protesters were shot, some killed, tear gas, beaten, and arrested by police force. Today, despite the insecurity situation, despite of gang threatening people in the poor neighborhoods, despite of the police force repressing any demonstration, almost every day there are protests 
sitting to denounce gang violence, killings, abuse. I'm going to bring on Walter Riley, who is a co-founder and co-chair of Haiti Emergency Relief Fund. And Walter is a civil rights attorney, a longtime activist in the Oakland area and before. And if there's a fight for social justice in the Bay Area, Walter is there. And whether it was the anti-apartheid movement or the fight for justice for Oscar Grant, the battle of moms for housing, or the current fight to stop the closure of Oakland schools and to stop the billionaire takeover of the Oakland port, you can find Walter on the front lines. And we're honored to have worked with him for all these years, both in Haiti Action and through the Haiti Emergency Relief Fund. And who better than Walter to explain how important it is to give solidarity to the Haitian popular movement through the Haiti Emergency Relief Fund. Walter? As all the leadership of Lava Loss has been over all these years and the work that Lava Loss has been doing in the grassroots and communities throughout Haiti, they are experienced campaigners for real democracy. The democracy where the people of Haiti have the right to self-determination, determine who their elected leaders are, and to determine the policies that would govern their countries without the mandates imposed by outside colonial powers. The forces that the people of the grassroots movement have been fighting all their lives. Lavalas clearly is a continuation of the movement from 1791 to the 1803, to the present movement where people are fighting for real democracy, for self-determination for themselves, and part of that global movement that people have carried out throughout the global South to eliminate the power of the colonial powers dominating their economies, dominating their political life, dominating their education and creating instability. Colonization, the powers outside of Haiti intend to ensure that there is chaos in Haiti, that there is no government that can serve the people. That was the result of their invasions in Haiti, the results of the kidnapping of President Aristide, the results of trying to destroy the ability of Lavalas to come to power, the response to all of the earthquakes, in particular the earthquake of 2010, when the colonial powers ensured through military occupation that there would be no resources provided for the people in the democratic grassroots movement. All of their efforts were designed to undermine the political movement of the folks that we support, the kind of work that HERF has been doing throughout all these years. We want to encourage the people of Haiti to carry out that fight, but in carrying out that fight, they need our support. You can't do work in Oakland. You can't do work in the city of New York. You can't do work any place if you can't eat, if you can't work, if you can't have an organization, if you can't get your materials out, if you don't have the ability to keep your kids alive. One of the things that we've been able to do is to work with people in the rural areas to help provide seeds and seed controls. Haiti is one of the few places that has been able to resist Monsanto. Keep those seeds out where they can have control of their own agriculture to some extent even with exportation of the powerful U.S. markets to try and control Haiti. They do some of that because they get support from the organizers of Lava Loss, and some of those organizers get support from what we are able to do and contribute. Money is that we've been able to send to the ground. We've been able to send money to market women who are part of Lava Loss and helps to maintain that movement. Women have been the essential force for every democracy movement in the global South in all of the struggles for the decades and decades against the capital and imperialism that has made it so important
for people to stand together and organize. Those organizations require resources. We have helped to provide the ability of market women to get their food to market. We have helped to support market women who have been attacked by the governments, Martelli's government. We have helped to support market women who are making, organizing training sessions within La Velocity Bill political movement crossing the cities. Those are the kinds of things we do to make it possible for this real democracy movement to exist here. The leadership of Haiti from the groundwork, Lavalas, the leadership of Lavalas is what is most important. Dr. Narcisse and uh, Pasha Vogue have been attacked physically. Dr. Narcisse was kidnapped because she's in Lavalas. And of course, we heard that Pasha Vogue was shot because of his political movement, as has happened to so many people under attack. One of the things we do with financial resources is help to deal with folks when they are under attack, help to give them some abilities to sustain themselves. In addition to building and helping to support uh, small schools, educational programs to support the people and largely women and the teachers who populate those schools to ensure that students in those schools are able to get at least one meal a day. We support people building organized movements around that and around labor. We have played a major role in helping to support the building of the hospital in Haiti. We helped to build the radio program, Margaret Prescott and folks that she's worked with played a fantastic role in getting monies to get that radio program going in Haiti. Our government plays a major role in funding the gangs, funding the police, violation of human rights. And we have to organize ourselves in this country to try and stop the policies that help to create misery in Haiti. Misery in Haiti is undermining the ability for a popular democratic movement, unlike what the U.S. does in some other parts of the world. Is it because they don't want to see a thriving Black political conscious economy with uncolonized minds running a government. That's what we're trying to do. Support the Haiti Emergency Relief Fund. Number one, what do you think the U.S. strategy is right now in Haiti? What are the goals of the core group and the U.S. State Department in Haiti? How do you see that? And connected to that, what do you think are the next steps for the popular movement to deal with that strategy and to move forward in this next period? One of the strategy of the U.S. now it is to continue with the same type of government that are not working for the people of Haiti. They are pushing for election. When you consider the situation of insecurity existing in Haiti, the power will go to the same people organizing the insecurity in Haiti. You have a, the capital that is cut from the rest of the country. You cannot uh, go in some neighborhood or can you talk about the uh, uh, election? It means that you are going to vote for the people or the people of Haitian want to vote. They want every vote to be counted. But this is one of the strategy to perpetuate the old system that bring only corruption, misery, and poverty. Adding to what Marise uh, just said, I think also we can question ourselves that uh, the U.S. wants to keep this country divided uh, because uh, they are making sure that we are fighting each other. Uh, the quantity of guns and ammunitions that are found in Haiti, they all come from the U.S. I'm sure they do know uh, clearly from what channel they are being uh, imported to Haiti. And we all know there is an embargo in Haiti. Uh, uh, and also they would like to uh, perpetuate uh, 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 the past government, uh, like Marie just uh, 
concluded that is uh, that has brought corruption, hunger, uh, and everything to this country. They don't want the participation of the majority no more. They would like to continue uh, making sure that the majority stays silent and keep them aside. Despite of gang violence, despite of uh, the insecurity, despite of all the bad condition existing in the country now, people protest and, and sit in organized. They, uh, they denounce uh, the, the 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 misery, poverty, they denounce the bad condition of living, they denounce the gang violence, they denounce impunity in that country. They, they believe in election, but they don't, they want fair, free, honest election. They don't want to have a, in this situation of insecurity, if election are organized, it will be a selection. To add to it, you said probably uh, everything that needs to be said. It's just the resilience of this population that really uh, wants to uh, uh, see democracy uh, uh, succeed. And uh, today they showed clearly that they will not be participating in any selections that uh, uh, the core group or the international community would like to put up in their face. They are going to uh, resist and wait for the uh, moment, the real moment where they see uh, uh, the emergence of this democracy, the development of the country where they start thinking for them because like we presented to you, you are close to 45% of the population uh, and, and hunger situation. So until they see that we reach out to them, we start thinking about them, talking about them, showing them at the road to education, the road to housing, you will not see uh, a real participation of this population. They will be watching from the side and let everyone uh, uh, collapse uh, unilaterally because today the failure of AT is the failure of the international community and the core group that have been putting billions of dollars and uh, not showing nothing for, for it while the Lavalas movement that when it was elected in 1990 with a very little budget, we saw the presentation and saw how we, we can build this country together. We're out of time. We would like to thank the Haiti Action Committee for making this sound available to share with you. You can reach Haiti Action Committee by going to HaitiSolidarity.net. Today's show was edited by Sojourner Truth assistant producer Alicia Vargas. Thank you, Alicia. We would like to also thank today's engineer, Gary Baca. Please stay tuned for Democracy Now! Sojourner Truth will be back on the air tomorrow. And if you'd like a copy of today's show, please contact the Pacifica Radio Archives. Thank you for listening. You all, please remember to stay safe. This is your host, Margaret Prescott.